Hi, and welcome to Your Next Level Now with your host, Bob Donnell. Your Next Level Now is a podcast designed to help you get to your next level personally and professionally by learning from people with true life experiences, stories that will compel, and the mission is to inspire and give strategic action for you to reach your next level both personally and professionally. Guys, welcome to Next Level by Association Virtual. I'm your host, Bob Donnell. And um, we have started doing this. I've been hosting Next Level by Association, which is a live um, event once a month. It's a live experience, if you will, once a month. And we uh, it's, it's surrounded by a dinner that I host. And we bring in amazing people with amazing stories every month. And we've been doing it for almost 10 years now. And one of the coolest things is um, that I get to bring in 12 great people once a, a, a year. One of the disadvantages is I meet a lot of great people and uh, it does a disservice to not be able to bring on more of them because I've only got one a month. So we've launched this where we can do this once a week virtually online um, and I can bring in up to 52 people plus the 12 live. So that, that's, that's really opened up a lot of experience and a lot of opportunity for me to bring in great people like the, the gentleman you're going to hear from tonight. You know, I put it out there a lot of times, hey, who should I connect with this week? And somebody will say, you should talk to this guy. You should talk to this girl. You should, you know, have this meeting. And, um, and that's exactly what happened this. I put it out there and somebody said, you need to meet Chuck Keels. I said, great. Chuck and I got on. We had a, a live video chat. You are going to be blown away by his story. You're not going to be blown away by his story because you haven't heard something like it before, but in the manner in which he has accomplished what he's accomplished and in the manner in which he is now dedicating his life to making sure other people get a similar response or a similar result, that's what you're going to be blown away by. So guys, um, help me welcome Chuck Keel. Hey, Bob. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Chuck, you know, the very first conversation we had, it started off with you telling me your story. And, and we're going to go through your story a little bit today. But first thing I want you to know is, uh, you know, I want people to know is that you were a stage four cancer uh, and you, have, you are, are a survivor of stage four cancer. Most people don't ever even hear that. Um, so I got to ask you, though, and I asked you this before, but I want you to explain to the audience. What was it like the first time you sat down with a doctor and they go, you have stage four cancer. Tell me what, what goes through your mind when something like that is said to you. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that just be, being a human, the first the things that start to go through your mind is this isn't really happening to me. Mm. No one wants to hear the C word. And um, I already was having some health problems, didn't know they were related to cancer. And when the scans and scans and tests came back, um, then uh, that 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 showed us the facts and what was happening, obviously. But the problem was, is uh, the male mentality of when I wake up tomorrow, I'll be better. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And to the point where by the time I actually did get, get, get diagnosed, it was stage four. And a team of doctors came back and told me that I had about three months to live and to go home and to spend that time with my family. So three months to live. They walk into the room, a team of doctors walks in the room and says, Hey, just want to give you a heads up. You got three months. They, they basically said the scans were so bad 
that they couldn't even find the origination. They don't know where the cancer started in my body. I actually got a hold of the scans recently to send them over to a news agency that wants to do this story and make sure that this is legit. So before I sent the scans over to the news agency, I started looking at them myself on the computer and it was recognized that there was cancer found in 90% of the bones in my body. Wow. 90% of the bones in your body. Now at this point, how much pain, how much, you know, how much suffering were you going through at this point when they made this announcement to you? Uh, it was pretty, pretty bad. And that's, that's what, what the, the eye opener or, you know, that's what really got my attention was the weeks before that it may just be a couple aspirin and it was manageable. And so I was still going to work. I was still going to the gym. My back started hurting. So I wasn't lifting the heavy weights to put them on the bar, but I had my two boys doing that for me. And mm -hmm. if I was in a place where I was, I was supported, I could still push, I could still do a workout. And it's kind of crazy. And people that are listening to this are going to be, are just going to think this guy, this guy Chuck's insane. Mm -hmm. But four weeks before I was diagnosed with the stage four cancer, me and my two boys hiked Camelback Mountain here in Phoenix, which is the highest point in the valley. And I was going slow and my boys were like, dad, we would love to see you when you were younger. And I, go, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. I feel like crap today. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So even though you were in that, you didn't, without the knowledge of that, you still, you were able to hike, you were able to function at a really high level still, you just, you just slower and, and in more pain. I got to ask you this though, when the doctor comes in and says that, do they, do they, I mean, I've never been diagnosed with, with something like that. Do they give you any sense of hope or a vision for your life beyond that, that diagnosis or prognosis? So I want to try to put this in a manner that I'm not knocking doctors or modern medicine, right? but because what they're doing is they're going by um, all their education, all the books, all the medical records of what's happened to people that have been in the same situation over the last 40, 50, 60 years. So when a doctor comes in, he's coming from education. He's, he's, they're stating what they see in, in, the, in the scans and in all of the uh, x-rays, and they're stating what they've seen happen over the last, you know, 40, 50 years, because of you falling in this category, you know, and what's going on with your body, and how bad it is, there's nothing we can do, you're at stage four, you've got three months to live, and that night at my house, there was a knock on the door, and it was two hospice nurses. That night, that, that quick, night. here's the prognosis, go. And, wow. and, 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 and dealing with this stuff now on a regular basis, um, I get calls every day and they said, my doctor said I have three months, I have six months, I have a year, I have two years. Well, you know what? The doctor's saying what they learned from book smart education and it's not incorrect. And, and, and when you play the odds, the odds are they're gonna be right. Mm. But if we can take what I learned through my cancer and we can get involved and we can change how they feel, how they think, how they fight, yeah. it's, a little, it's a little different walk. You know, I, the reason this is such a passionate thing for me, and you and I have told this story, but you know, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was 15 in high school, and uh, she was given six months to live. And she lived, she lived two years, um, but she was given six months. Now, you know, you and I talked a little bit about this, 
this pro the diagnosis is one thing. The prognosis is a whole nother situation, right? Absolutely. The prognosis in, in, you know, and you and I talked about this for me, the prognosis is scary as all get out because the prognosis tells somebody start writing your will, start writing, start doing this. Stuff. And unfortunately, um, the diagnosis can be correct, but the prognosis can be way off. Absolutely. And the prognosis almost, in my opinion, almost eliminates the vision, almost eliminates the, uh, you know, the idea that they're going to get better. The prognosis actually eliminates that, in my opinion. What's your, what's your take on that? So, um, you know, based on personal experience and so many people that I, now I'm doing my own case studies, yeah. uh, what's, what happens is um, in the mind when you're told that you have a specific amount of time to live, you go home, you sit on your couch, and that sets in as the death sentence. Yeah. yeah. So, so what I started looking into because what was happening with me, you know, it takes the nuts, the nuts and the crazy people like Chuck Keels that, that, you know, swim 30 laps in their pool while going through chemo, still yeah. go, you know, go to the park with their dog and I can't run anymore because I'm going through chemo and I lost 40 pounds, but I can walk up and down the hills. I just, I push myself to, to, you know, some ridiculous, ridiculous things. And the reason why is because when I started looking at people that survived stage two, stage three, stage four cancer, and you go, this dude was jumping out of airplanes. This dude was, he went to Europe and he climbed a mountain. Mm. These are the ones that are in their brain, they're saying, hey, guess what? It's, it's up to me. Yeah. And that, that, okay, so here's, here, and this is, this is Chuck. This might not mean, mean anything, but it, you know, this is what I came up with. There's a healing mechanism in the brain that God gave us that mm. allows heal ourselves from a lot from anything and everything okay just like we've always been told humans only use maybe 10 percent of their brain at this point mm -hmm. this is one of the areas in our brain that we don't use so, and, and what's the hardest group to get to kick it this in is someone that's been diagnosed with a certain amount of time to live and they're sent home to sit on their couch they get a phone call from Chuck because somebody said, hey, my husband, my coworker, me, well, whoever was diagnosed, can you call them? Can you go see them? I walk in there and I see the same look on their face and the same sound in their voice that I had when I was diagnosed. So that's mm -hmm. why I recognize this. Wow. And what happens is through a conversation about, first of all, here's my story. And they're like, well, look at you now. And mm -hmm. you're still alive. And so they start to get hope. And I start telling them about some natural things that I understood also because the human body has got to fight all the chemochemicals killing everything in there. What can we do to help out the immune system? And mm -hmm. so I get into juicing, I get into essential oils, I get into doing yoga on your living room floor. And, and just within a few minutes into my conversation with someone that had that same look on their face and that same tone in their voice that I had when I was diagnosed, all of a sudden, they're like, hey, Chuck, hang on a minute. Get, let me get a paper and pencil. What did you juice? Mm. It's not what they said. It's how they said it. Yeah. And Bob, I'm not kidding you. That is what sparked me to mm. who are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. That hope and wow. that turning on the healing power of the mind and them starting to fight for their life. And I mm. ask them, who's around you that you love? I got a wife, I got kids, I got grandkids. 
my dogs. I don't care what it is. Give right. me a reason. Give me a reason to stay in this world. Yeah. yeah. And I will, and I will I will tell the negative side of that as well. I've made the calls and I've walked into living rooms and they've given up. Yeah. I can't do anything for you. Right. I I got I'm I I got I, I my job is to tell you my story mm. and it's there's hope. And it's up to you. And the ones that say, you know what, Chuck, there's nothing I can do from this point. I'm terminal. I don't know what the word terminal is. Right. I was stage four cancer, lost 40 pounds and suffered a spinal collapse. Don't tell me terminal. Yeah. I was within days or weeks of actually dying. My family was making plans for what was going to happen to my two boys in high school after mm -hmm. I was no longer around. Mm -hmm. And God stepped in and made a little change in this game plan and said, okay, now I've got someone that has passion for life and a huge mouth yeah. and I healed them and let's get out there and let's let people know that there's a way to fight this and a way to live. I love that. You know, the Bible talks about it without a vision, people perish, right? Absolutely. And we, we know that we know that to be true. You know, and, uh, you know, Dr. Victor Frankel, who wrote man's search for meaning, you know, talks about vision, talks about, you know, what, what the prognosis, what, what you're looking forward to type of thing. But, you know, it's one thing to have that in, in theory. I need a vision. I need to be positive. I need to stay focused. I need to, um, it's another thing to have to do it in the midst of chaos. It's one thing to have faith when things are good. It's another thing to have faith when everything looks bleak. How did you, how did you wrap your brain around saying, okay, I know what the doctors are saying. I'm just going to see it differently. How did you do that? So, so from being, from being human, I went through the same thing that everybody goes through. The first thing is, is this a long journey or a short journey? I have two boys at home that I'm supporting as a single dad. Mm. So I went through what everybody went through. But the difference was my walk with God. So I started chatting with God while laying in a hospital bed with a, with a collapsed spine, looking at the ceiling and saying, you know what? Is this a long journey or short journey? Tell me what your plan is for me. And being a spiritual guy which is not the same as a religious guy. I don't believe you got to be in a brick building on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. And I love the number of people that are together and what it does. But I also know that if I'm out for a hike on Sunday morning and I tell three, four, five, ten people my story and what God did mm -hmm. to me, that's my church. Amen. So the, the spiritual guy starts chatting with God and God says, okay. Um, and, and I'll tell you the exact, the exact time of the turnaround event for me. Laying in the bed, the lights were on in the hospital room. The, I didn't wash my face. I'm an old farm boy from Ohio. I, I wake up at 4.35 in the morning with no alarm clock. I've done that my whole life. I'm usually in bed sleeping by 9 o'clock at night. So the interesting thing was I watched 9, 10, uh-oh, what I do? Hang on a second, Bob. Okay, you killed your camera. I got you. Wait, I got you. There you are. Things were popping up on my phone. Crazy. But anyway, I'm the type of guy that's up early in the morning. So to watch 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock, all of a sudden it's 12 o'clock at night. I'm laying there feeling sorry for myself with the lights on. I didn't wash my face, and I start chatting with God, and I go, what's, what's the plan? Long plan? Short journey? Is this it? Is this the end? Cancer? Spinal collapse? I'm losing weight like a wild man. I looked at my legs in the bed and they were so skinny and I'm a pretty stocky boy. I looked at my legs and I was joking. I go, whose legs are these? 
this isn't Chuck. This isn't me. And God says, you've always been a fighter. What are you doing? What are you doing? He says, he says, as long as you're alive, as long as you've got a breath in your lungs, as long as you're alive, be alive, be alive. Mm. And I know I miss, I miss the Chuck. I miss the smile and the silly stuff and the hugging my friends and my kids. I miss Chuck. And God said, you're still alive. If, if you're not here, if you don't wake up in the morning, you're not Chuck anymore. But right now you're still Chuck. You're a fighter. Get up and go. And so I said, okay, I'm going to wash my face. I get up out of my hospital bed and I didn't go to the bathroom and wash my face. I went into the hallway and I walked a lap completely around the hospital floor to push myself. Mm. Said, okay, if this is where it starts, this is what's going to happen. I walked a lap around the hospital floor at a snail's pace. I was so drained by the time I got back because of the, you know, the cancer and being sick and the stress of being sick. I went in and I washed my face and I turned off my lights and I said, God, thank you. I said, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be alive. That mm. moment right there was the turnaround time. Wow. That turnaround for me. And it happens in everybody's life. And Bob, you know, from what's happened to me and how many people I have talked to in the last three years since the cancer diagnosis and the miraculous healing, the number of people I talk to, and you can relate to this in any walk of life, it doesn't matter what your challenge is and what your mountain is or what size uh, at home business, huge corporation, right. the, the, the challenge is simply as long as you're alive, be alive. And, mm. and, and as long, as long as you can fight, fight. I and love that. that love was my and you know, you know, I love it because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're taking the life experience that you've had. Um, yours was cancer. Somebody else's, like you said, it might be a relationship. It might be financial. It might be health. It might be, you know, business collapsing, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's the challenge. And you, you are giving hope and vision to people that are going through any of those challenges, not just health, not just cancer, not just stage four, but anything. And, uh, and so that's what I'm loving about your story. And, you know, one of the things I love about your story is, you know, we, we kind of glossed over that your, your back collapsed your spine collapsed. I, I want to go back and address that because when you and I talked about that, it was like, holy cow. I mean, okay, stage four cancer, got it. But, but collapsing, your, your spinal collapsing in the midst of all this, explain what happened. All right, so I want to throw a couple things in there real quick before I tell you exactly what happened. Okay. And basically, um, um, just what we're talking about, um, a buddy of mine who played football for Ohio State and I've known since college. The Ohio State. The Ohio State guy. <laughs> he came in town. We went for a walk. We went to a restaurant. We sat down. And he said, I want you to start writing your book. And I said, I'm not an author. I know nothing about this. Mm -hmm. And he says, I know. He says, I've, I've said my prayers. And God told me to come help you out. And I said, well, you're, you're, you're right about this. I said, Brian, I said, the, the, the book can help cancer people. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, the book can help anybody going through any challenge in their life. Mm. So that's that happened to me. That was amazing. Love the it. other thing that I realized from the last three years is like you were just saying, no matter what, what you're going through in life, there's basically um, a death. Mine was actually a physical near death experience. I cannot tell you the number of people I've talked to 
that had mental near-death experiences mm -hmm. and knew they had to make huge changes in their life. And it could be a divorce. It could be a failed business. It could yeah. be what, whatever challenge came their way. They had to go through a mental near-death experience. I had to go through a physical near-death experience mm -hmm. to yeah. get to that bottom the bottom is a solid foundation and a great place to start growing amen love that, that that's let's say, say that again say that again it's worth repeating so 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 the in bottom the, in the process of of losing everything physically or mentally or whatever it may be as you're going down and you say i've hit the bottom the bottom is a solid foundation and a great place to start growing love it what a great spot Great, great highlight. I hope somebody types that in the chat so we can have that. That is a, that's a great one. So you, okay, so you, you've hit the bottom. You've, you, your spinal has collapsed. Let's go, let's go all the way back. Let, me tell, okay. let me tell the whole story because that's, it's kind of crazy. Oh. And I don't want people to get bits and pieces of it. I really think they should get the whole, because um, like I said, I've talked to um, some places that want to do some information or articles on this and they start researching it and they go, well, anybody could come and say they went through something. So let me tell you what happened. Yeah. You know, tell us. Good and one. You, and you've heard the story. So, you know, um, Powerful. I, I was getting sick. I was getting sick and I didn't know what was going on. And um, like I said, it was manageable with some aspirin, a, a little headache, some back pains. And then all of a sudden the, the wheels just fell off. I mean, I, 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 could barely carry my briefcase into work on a Friday. I was a uh, landscape designer. I worked for a big swimming pool company here in Arizona. And I would go and I would design all the pretty green stuff around the pool. Mm. So I would go in there and do 3D designs and all this stuff. And I couldn't even hardly carry my briefcase into the office. So this was a Friday. That evening, still pushing through, I take my kids downtown Gilbert, Arizona for some food trucks for dinner. You were there. I could not find a single chair in the area that felt comfortable. Mm. Everything felt terrible. I couldn't sit down. I go, what is going on? Mm. And I, I mean, and, and the worry was starting that day. The worry was starting like, this is beyond me now. This is, this is, this has got to be checked out. We went home and watched a movie with my two boys. I couldn't get comfortable on the couch, on the floor, nothing. When they went to bed, I went to the emergency room. Mm. I, 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 I very slowly carry myself in an emergency room. I'm having back pains. It's getting worse. My body's starting to shut down. And they said, we're going to run some tests. The fastest test is just an x-ray, which came, the results came back right away. And the emergency room doctor came in in a couple hours and said, Chuck, you've got two fractured vertebrae in your back. <laughs> wow. I'm like, wait, wait, what do you mean? What, 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 I haven't fallen. You know, what, what caused this? And, and, and so basically they said, well, it's actually pretty common, but we have more tests that we're going to run. So they're running tests. They come back at five in the morning. I'm in uh, Gilbert Mercy Hospital by myself. I've sent out some phone calls to, to some family, uh, but haven't heard from anybody yet because it's the middle of the night. Right. And um, the doctor, emergency room doctor comes in, shuts the door and sits down, looks at me and she says, yeah. She says, I got, I got bad news. She said, it's, it's all cancer related. That's, that's when the head started spinning. That's when you, you start wondering, what do you mean? What kind of cancer? How bad is it? What is this going to mean to me? What is it going to mean to my family? 
And so they bring in doctors from a cancer institute right next door that do the serious uh, biopsies into the bone marrow, into the lymph nodes. Um, you wanna hear a crazy story? <laughs> they use a drill that looks like something they got from Home Depot to do your bone marrow. Ah, they, ah. no. True story. They numb you up and you look down and there's, they're just oh. into your hip. And that's how they get into the bone marrow and they send it off for tests. Wow. I go, I go home and in three days, the phone call, the phone call comes in. We want you to come into the, to the cancer clinic. We want to talk to you about your results. So what I go three days. Like, I mean, I know when somebody says, Hey, I want to talk to you tomorrow. I said, well, talk to me now. And they go, no, we'll talk tomorrow. I'm like, I'm going, no, I want to know now. Well, what you was it like to wait three days. Right. Just exactly what Bob would do. I had, I had some reports up to that date as far as the ones that I had, the, the scans that I had, the results. I started sending them all over the place. I started sending them to my friends that are cancer nurses, uh, medical doctors. My, my sister-in-law in Ohio is a, is a doctor at Children's Hospital. And I sent them to her and she said, Chuck, I told you, I don't work on anything bigger that can fit in a bread box. She said, I, I don't know what these mean, you know? But yeah, I started aggressively sending them all. And the answer kept coming back. It's not enough information. We can't, mm -hmm. it, you, do, you do have cancer. We do know that. Right. We don't know. So we went, I, went into, uh, I went into the cancer clinic. The doctor comes in, he shuts the door. And he says, Chuck, he says, it's so bad that we cannot find the origination. There's so much cancer in your body that we don't know what kind of cancer it is. They, that's when he said it's stage four. It's all over the place. He says, you got about three months to live and just go home and be with your family. Mm. Man. There's a situation. I don't know how to explain it, but I didn't really feel like I was crying, but I had the biggest tears you can imagine just rolling down my mm. face. Just disbelief, just total disbelief. So I go home. I have to tell my two high school boys that I was told, they already knew I was sick, but I was told that I had three months to live. Um, friends started calling. I put a couple little bleeps out there on Facebook. You better be sitting down for this one. And, um, and, and, and so, um, as, as a father, I got to stop you as a father. I remember when my mom came home and told me I was 15. Okay. I remember that, but as a father, uh, how did you prepare yourself to sit face to face with your kids and tell them that? I don't know. I can't even imagine what you had to go through to bring yourself to that point. And then what you would say to them. There's no, there's no way to prepare for it. There's, there's just no way. No one plans stuff like this. You know, you plan a vacation next year. You plan, you know, their graduation from school. You plan going to their next sporting event, but you don't, you don't plan sitting down with Tell them that you've been told you've got three months to live and they're these beautiful young men that I've just raised my whole life and put every you know every ounce of energy that I have into that and um, so it was it was tough and in, in, in talking about that um, I just finished my, my book actually just launched yesterday Can't and, and it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life was to sit down there and write about stuff we're talking about right now. Because what do we do as humans? 
Mm. Basically, you build all these walls and you protect yourself from all these dangers and these things that hurt you. And so over the last three years, the things that I couldn't talk about, I had to sit at my desk. Bob, I, I bawled like a baby. <laughs> I sat at my desk, bawling like a baby for, for eight months, recalling experiences through this cancer that were so unbelievable. So, you know, there's no, there's no way to prepare for, for an experience like that. Um, the book gets into more detail about stuff like that. And that's why when I do something like chatting with you and letting people know my story and what we're yeah. doing with it now, um, I encourage them to get the book because um, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing uh, when you set your mind to, you know, to go, um, yeah. what, what you can do in this life. And for me, it's even became more amazing because I grew up a Catholic boy from Ohio and now consider myself spiritual. And when mm -hmm. you add God in the mix, then, um, crazy things started happening okay yeah. so, so wait let's, let's pause because you mentioned the book so let's give the title of the book and where they get it so um i i love talking to people i love talking to people finding out where they're from where they were born what they do for a living how do they meet their wife i love these type of things so it might be at breakfast it might be walking my dog but you will see me three four five times a day hi how you doing i'm chuck so i was talking to a friend of mine and he says the title of the book should be hi i'm chuck and I go, wow, that's silly. That's silly. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about, you know, the event and what happened. He goes, you don't mm. understand. God made you, you. God made you, you. Amen. So different from everybody else that the book should be called Hi, I'm Chuck. And that's actually what's on the cover. Love it. And so, so in the, in the, in the uh, trying to hurry and launch it, um, basically, we just got it out on my site, which is just my name, Chuck Keels. So it's C-H-U-C-K, no space, C-H-U-C-K, K. E E L S.com. You just go on there and you can get the ebook right now. In the next few days, there's going to be an Amazon launch. There's going to be a paperback launch. All these things are going to happen also. But right now, actually get the book. You can, uh, I've had people buying it for their friends. Um, like you said, not just people going through cancer, but people going through anything that need to hear this type of a story. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the books, the books available right now. And it was a, uh, very that, so now you're talking about a year of writing but this this diagnosis was what how long ago um in 2015 may 20th so a little over three years ago you were diagnosed you went through all this hell and and when were you given a clean bill of health that you were cancer free from stage four cancer okay so should i jump back into the story a little bit yeah that'd be great so um um what do you do when you have three months to live Hey, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of my stuff because I'm not trucking it across the country and I'm going back to spend time with my mom and dad, and my family and people I love. Yeah. Well, three months to live. What do you do? Go to Disney world. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just want to be around people that I love. Mm -hmm. So basically what happens at that time is I give away everything I own. So if you want to hear a lesson that happens through this crazy journey, those material things that we work so hard for and the beautiful furniture in our homes and the big screen TVs, how important are they when you're diagnosed with stage four cancer and have three months to live? I gave away everything I owned except for a couple of suitcases. Mm -hmm. We were planning, we bought the plane tickets. We we're planning a flight back to Columbus, Ohio, and just hang out with my family, me and my two boys. So gave away everything I owned, and um, people were like, What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, I said, bring a truck, bring a U-Haul. 
because if you don't if you don't come by next Saturday, it's going to be on the curb so anybody can have it. So if it's anything you need, anything you want, come and get it. So uh, on that Saturday, we cleaned out the house. Um, on Sunday, I was supposed to be flying out. And that morning, I walked down the hall to go to the bathroom and I heard a pop and I hit the floor. Another, another crazy thing that I did that I never really think about until recently when a friend was like, what? I pulled myself up on the door handle of the bathroom and the top of the door and I pulled myself up. Okay. I, I hung there until the fire department got there. I was taken off of the door by eight firefighters. And then I felt every bump, every movement and into the ambulance. The mm. hospital they took me to was the closest to that area called John C. Lincoln Hospital in Phoenix. At John C. Lincoln Hospital, they tell them what happens. And I even have my discs, my, my scans that I just got and I give it to them. And they said, well, we also run our own tests. They start running tests. I have a spinal surgeon checking my legs to see if I'm paralyzed because what just happened when I heard that pop was I just suffered a broken back. I just suffered what they call a compression fracture. A disc in my back got so soft and the, the, the process is called metastasism. It's mm. the damage of the bone from cancer. It got so soft that it collapsed, completely collapsed into the nerves, into the tendons, ligaments, everything. The spinal surgeons were checking my legs to see if I was paralyzed. They ran tests. They brought in a cancer doctor, a house doctor, mm -hmm. emergency room doctor, spinal surgeon, and the house administrator for the hospital all came in as my team. They said, we, 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 you're not going anywhere anytime soon. You just broke your back. But we have a plan. And I said, well, tell me about the plan. And I hope it's better than hospice showing up because mm -hmm. to me, that was the plan, right? Right, right. They said, tomorrow we want to do two surgeries. We're going to go in and we're going to put a port in your chest. It's a medical device under the skin that carries the chemo into an artery because the chemo chemicals are so strong, they can't just do a regular IV. It'll burn the vein. So they've got to do a port to take the chemo in. And they also said, we're going to stop your testosterone production. Stopping the testosterone production meant that um, it was inflaming and feeding the cancer. They had mm. to find slow down the growth of the cancer. So if they catch prostate cancer, and that's another thing they said, it was started in your prostate. That's the first time I heard that. Mm. They said, if you catch it early enough, they can give a male pills that'll stop his testosterone production. And then after they fight the cancer and the battle's completed, you can stop taking the pills and go back to having your testosterone in a big hairy chest and a low voice, you know? <laughs> I didn't have that option. I still, I don't have as much hair on my body, so my voice has to change. But they actually stopped my testosterone production through a surgery. Mm. So they said two surgeries are tomorrow, and then the next day uh, we're going to start chemo and trying to catch up with this cancer running aggressively all over your body. And I was a little bit excited. I went into two surgeries, and I remember it like it was yesterday. The room, the people, the names of the nurses, mm. the doctor, and uh, they prepped me. They took me into surgery. I remember of them getting getting me ready all the way up until they injected the anesthesia that knocked you out. And then I remember waking up a couple hours later in a recovery room because I just went through two back-to-back -back surgeries. The whole process took about four hours. So I'm laying flat on my back on a gurney in the recovery room at John C. Lincoln Hospital. And I'm talking to the doctors and nurses and the doctors are explaining, you know, how my surgeries, hey, Chuck, everything went perfect. You, everything went awesome. You know, you're going to be going upstairs to see your family here soon. And um, I'm watching them getting other people ready for their surgeries. 
And all of a sudden I get this deep chill. And the first thing that popped in my head was somebody opened the door at the end of the room and a breeze came through, but it was such a deep chill that I actually clenched. And as I clenched, I looked back and I was startled because as I looked back, Jesus was standing right here. Mm. All I remember, all I remember is a dark brown robe, a white scarf, his beard and his face, and him reaching out and touching me. I also remember my mind was, I'm in the presence of Jesus. There was no question in my mind. Mm. Reached out and touched my shoulder, and he was gone. I start freaking out. Mm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm so sick. I was pretty sure he was coming to take me with him. Yeah. So the nurses come in. You're, you're time to go upstairs to your room. They take me up to the room. I tell my family what just happened to me, and they're in tears, and they're thinking, ah, you know, maybe you know, you're so whacked out on all the pain meds or something. I don't know, right? Right. And, um, but what happened was the next day, the nurses come in, and they turn on my lights at 6 in the morning. And they said, hey, Chuck, good morning. Time for your drugs. Time for the steroids to shrink the cancer tumors in your body. Time mm. for your bone strengtheners. Okay, and also, we need to, we need to give you some pain meds. The mm. pain meds are as needed. So on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being the worst it could be, on a scale from 1 to 10, how bad your pain right now? Mm. I have a big back brace they fitted me for. I have to Velcro on them. I was told strict orders. I'm not allowed to sit up in the bed until I get this back brace in place. I Velcro it on, I sit up and I look at them and I say, I don't feel any pain. I don't feel any pain. And they go, well, start on something. You just had two surgeries and you broke your back. Start on something because it will come back sometime today and we don't want it to get too crazy and get ahead of you. And I said, I don't even take aspirin. I don't want to put a drug in my body if I don't have to, right? Right. So I refused pain meds and they said, here's the nurse button. Call us as soon as it starts up and it will. From that day to this second right now talking to you, Bob, I never touched another pain med. Zero. The pain was miraculously gone. Broken back, surgeries, cancer throughout my body, no pain meds. And when I talk to my, the, my people that own cancer clinics now, and they know the number of pain meds that they see go through that place, yeah. they're blown away. They're blown away. I took two garbage bags of pain meds to a fire department to dispose of them because they were, I mean, it was from the hospice and the doctors. And I had all these pain meds and never touched them. Okay. So I start telling people that um, something miraculous happened. I seen a vision of Jesus right here mm. and pain stopped. And so I was at John C. Lincoln hospital for 10 days. And then they moved me over to the Mayo clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona for five weeks I'm still in a back brace. I can't tie my shoes. I can't take a shower. My brother, Tony, my brother, Lonnie, they were flying in from all over the country to be my caretakers and help take care of me. Mm. And so I had um, basically a couple things happen at the Mayo Clinic. Um, I started chemo and that is a whole nother, I'll give, I'll give you a little explanation as far as how I seen this. So they come into a room, we've already signed the papers, we've already read about what this is, what it can do and all this stuff, the side effects, everything. They come in the room, two nurses with full garb on. <laughs> they had masks, hats, gear, lead protecting gloves up to their elbows, 
holding a bag of chemo that they're getting ready to flush into my body. <laughs> oh, man. So you can imagine what goes on in your mind when, when any cancer patient now is dealing with this type of, of yeah. you know, I'm ready for my treatment. I start chemo this week. I've had two sessions. I've had five sessions. I know exactly what's, what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. Now, I'll, 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 I'll tell you the other important thing that happened at the Mayo Clinic was, like I said, I started having these little conversations with God because of my spiritual walk. And, mm -hmm. I know, and, and this is when you find out we are not in control. Mm. God's in control. We have no control. We, we see people pass from cancer daily. Right. We have no control. We, we have no control of this life, and it's all about God. So I started getting these little messages from him. At, at the Mayo Clinic, when the chemo didn't kick my butt so bad that I couldn't get out of bed, right. I would get out of bed, slip into my shoes, walk across the street into the desert, and I would say, hey, good morning, God. What's your plan for me? <laughs> you know, what's going on now? What's your plan? Mm. And the spiritual messages coming back were, you wasted a lot of time in your life. Mm. You're going to turn things back little by little. And as you do, I want you to focus on what you're truly passionate about. Quit wasting time and energy in all these crazy places. And I said, that makes sense to me, you know. So the messages, when I spoke with God, continued through that five weeks at Mayo Clinic. Back to Gilbert, Arizona, where I was homeless. I moved out of my house rental. I was going to go to Ohio. We had to get an apartment that was close enough to my boys' school so they could stay in that school. Mm. So we got an apartment. Well, at that complex, had a nice swimming pool. I started getting in the pool to stretch and try to get some movement back in my body after my spinal collapse. And what I found out was, hey, maybe, maybe I can swim breaststroke because it really doesn't torque your body. And so I tried and I got in a couple laps of breaststroke. And this is within about maybe, um, I would say, five to six weeks of after the diagnosis and all this started happening. Because I wanted to start, move, I was already starting to move my body and move my legs and stuff in bed in the morning stuff. But I want to see, within the next couple of weeks, I got up to 30 laps a day in the pool. Unreal. <laughs> I even went out one day and I said, I'm going to try freestyle today, but now you're talking about a complete different torque in your back. Right. And it took a couple of days to start getting into my freestyle, but I started alternating and I started doing 30 laps in the pool. I started going to the park with my dog. I started going back to the gym and I couldn't lift nothing because I'd lost 40 pounds, but I could put the plate in and I could move the weight and I could be there. I could just be there. And I pulled into the parking lot. I don't know how many times and I go, what are you doing? What do you, why are you even here? Get your butt in there and go at it. You're alive, be alive, right? Wow. So the, the mind over matter, the mind over matter um, and to push myself. And at that same gym here in Arizona, I went to scratch my head one morning while I was in the gym and had a handful of hair from falling out from the chemo. Had to walk over to the corner where nobody could see me and not see the tears running down my face going, man, I thought I was going to make it through this with some of my hair and it was just falling out in clumps now, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, the, like I said, the, the thing that happened was I, I, I became, I came at a really amazing place of calm. Mm. I, be, I became, I came of a place of balance and peace. And the way I look at this is I've always been in sales. I've always been in business. I've always been a hustler. I'm finding a, 
I'm finding something I've never found in life before walking with God, mm. walking, walk, going through this journey with God. Yeah. So, so at the, at the at three, six months of chemo, three months into it, my numbers were improving. My doctor looks at me and she says, I've never seen anything like this before in my life to go from how bad you were to right now, your blood tests are coming back almost like a normal, healthy guy. That's amazing. So obviously God had a different plan than the doctor. Everybody did at the end of the six months of testing, uh, something else miraculous happened was all this damaged, all this bone damage in my body from the, from the cancer. Mm -hmm. um, my doctor told me it's going to be there for the rest of my life. Be very careful. Everything you do. And I was joking with her saying I was going to mountain bike and do mud runs and stuff. And she's like, no, you got to watch what you're doing. And um, so I got my bone density test. It's called a nuclear bone scan. And the doctor sat there with their eyes just as big as can be looking at me and said, can you see the computer screen and see my bones? And they're zooming in, looking at all these bones. And they're like, if we didn't see your previous scans, we'd think you're lying. Your bones are perfectly clean. This, this collapsed, collapsed spine that I have, if you see the x-ray right now, you can see it. It's all goofy looking in there, right? This vertebrae, right. I've never had surgery. I do mud runs. I do yoga. I back in the gym. I, I do some landscaping stuff. I do whatever I want to do. I've never had any surgery. That is how powerful God is. That's, that's amazing. Um, so if you can only tell one person, what are their, whatever they're going through, whether it's cancer or anything else, what's the one thing, if you can only tell them one, what would you tell them? So when people get their doctor, their diagnosis, their treatment plans, things like that, they, 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 give, they give that 100%. Hmm. If I could say one thing, give that 50%, give the other 50% to your mind, your prayer, hmm. meditation, your natural things for your body. There's things yeah. you can do. There's so many people I met that are going through their, sorry about that. There's, so many people I met that are going through their cancer that are sitting in their bed at home or on their couch thinking they can't do anything. You're, you're breathing today. You're still alive. Be alive. I love that because it, it, it goes across the gamut. Um, you know, a friend of mine, his wife came home to him and said, I'm out moving out I'm getting divorced done. And oh my gosh, what? And she said, yeah, we're getting getting divorced, I'm leaving. And he had to, what in his mind, he had to accept that. Interesting thing though, was he said, you know, what if I, what if I just work on me? And what if I just become the best version of me? Not, not to get her back, but what if I allow that maybe some of that might rub up? And this was, uh, I don't know, this is probably eight or 10 years ago. And um, within, within a year, um, she had moved back into the house and they've been together ever since. And wow. she had had an affair and, and, uh, you know, the whole, the whole thing, but it's it, what you're talking about even goes to that. It's like, you can accept the fact that she's moved out, but don't, but have another belief system that maybe there's another end to that. So yeah. I, I appreciate what you're saying because it, it, I think it goes across the board for all of us in any situation. Two, two things have to happen in this world. Two things have to happen in this world. You've got to mourn whatever you're going through. 
if it's a death, if it's a divorce, if it's, if it's lo losing a job that you love, if it's losing a business, you've got you've to gotta mourn that because if you avoid it, you'll never get rid of it. It'll stay right. in your mind. Okay. And then after that, like you said, how many people go through a divorce or, or a separation and they say, Hey, I'm going to meet somebody cool. And I'm going to run out there and start dating right now. And they're going to mm -hmm. treat me great. And they run out there before they work on their selves. Right. And I'm telling you, there's, there's so many people making millions of dollars in this world, teaching you how to work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I did the same thing. I don't want to date after this cancer and this change I went through. I, I need time to work on myself. Right. And when you step back and you, and you, like you said, wake up in the morning and watch Bob on uh, Facebook or, you know, turn on some, I, I love listening. I never listened to Christian music before, except for started four years ago going through the cancer. Yeah. And now my favorite groups, I love what they're saying. Mm. There's some songs that'll bring tears to my eyes. Absolutely. All things are ways that I had to work on Chuck. Sure. I had to rebuild me and I had to get it together in my head, especially not just to go on and do something productive in this world, especially if I wanted somebody else in my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't want all this garbage. Yeah. I go out there and give them the best me, the best me. Love it. Love it. So this is, this is an amazing story and I really want people to buy your book. So let's give the book name and, uh, and then how to get it again. Okay, so basically right now it's just on my website. It's chuckkeels.com, C-H-U-C-K-K-E-E-L-S.com. Chuck, my name, chuckkeels.com, and it's an ebook. In the next few days, it will be on Amazon. It will be on a, a, a Amazon, either an ebook or a, or a paperback. Okay. Um, but, but the read itself is absolutely amazing, and it will, it will I mean, it's, it's, it's changing people's lives, and already the ones that have read it, uh, have called me and said, I cannot believe what you put together. Mm. And just, I, I didn't write this. I wrote the story, but God told me the story. It was mm. already, in place. it was already in place. Hey, one other thing, if I can add this, Bob, because yeah. I love, I love uh, what you do and the people that you're surrounded with. Something that I just started thinking with since I got the book off my desk was just how this all works as a business. Yes. I would love to do this full time. I'm getting two, three calls a day from cancer people around the yeah. world. Um, I got to find out and I got to learn from somebody how the um, fundraising, how the, how the money moves. I know there's companies that put money into um, um, worthy causes, yeah. causes that are making a difference. And that's where we're at right now. But if anybody's got ideas for me, contact me through my website or through Facebook, because yeah. I'm, uh, I don't really know these things. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a hardworking old Ohio boy. You know, I had a landscaping business and I can, I can sell you a swimming pool and a backyard package. <laughs> but when it comes to, when it comes to how can Chuck do this mm. full time to make a difference in people's lives mm. um, is to find out. Yeah. So uh, exposing the book to as many people as possible um, is definitely a huge thing uh, right now um, because of the, lesson learned from the book is absolutely phenomenal yeah yeah definitely um and so and so getting some platforms to share your message on is going to be key right um yep. so if you guys know some platforms some ways for him to get his message out more that will be beneficial um if any of you know how about setting up a 501c3 um setting up the nonprofit, and all that stuff he's interested in doing that as well so, um, you know, those, those are some great things. Also with fundraising, if you know some, some ways to fundraise, um, there are companies, there are, you know, there's several companies that I know that are like, um, you know, they give a percentage of their sales to certain charities. 
So finding enough of those can, can actually be beneficial. So, you know, we can definitely kind of keep exploring that. But you guys, if you're watching this live or watching it recorded, um, would you please just kind of take a minute and say, what are the resources that I could share with him to help him do this? Um, there's not one of us that would say, no, this isn't needed full time. This is needed full time. Um, the doctors do it full time and, you know, and, and they're doing a great job in a lot of respects. But what we need is we need somebody that can go out there and be the advocate for vision, be the advocate for hope, be the advocate for healing. And, uh, and, and Chuck's a great guy to do that. Um, being healed from stage four cancer and now sharing this, uh, this how he did it and what the, the message is, um, whether you're suffering cancer or any setback in life, this is a message that needs to be out. This is a message that needs to be heard. And um, so whatever we can do, guys, um, you know, reach out to Chuck, uh, reach out to, if you guys have a question, go ahead and type it in right now. Somebody's asking, is, is, the, is the book ever going to be on Audible? Um, basically, uh, I've, got a, I've got a company out of Nashville, Tennessee that's doing all the website book stuff. So every time I get a question, I ask them, well, okay. we're going to get it. We're going to get it every place we can possibly get it um, so that nobody, um, you know, goes without the book. Good, good. And one wow. of the other Bob, also, as you can tell, I love telling the story. I'm totally mm -hmm. passionate about this story. Mm -hmm. It happened to me, but I'm watching it change people's lives, touch people's lives. I love speaking about it. So maybe a speaking engagement. Yeah. If there's somebody wants to put me on a stage, uh, I've been speaking at churches. I've been speaking at cancer groups. Or, hey, have a, have a cookout at your house and get your friends over. I'll talk to anybody because I know it's making difference in people's lives. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, so we will definitely we'll, uh, be looking and working on that as well. Um, let me see. Any questions? We've got some great people watching, so I know um, they're going to – they'll probably contact you directly and ask questions. Um, anyone else have a question? Flo, if you have a question, go ahead and um, ask now on, on mute. Uh, the rest of you guys, get in touch with Chuck Keels, C-H-U-C-K-K-E-E-L-S.com. Find his book. It's an ebook right now. Uh, in a couple of days, it'll be on Amazon. You'll be able to get that. Guys, don't let this... Don't let this message um, die with just, it's about cancer. It's about cancer survival. It's about, it's about life and it's about living through whatever you've got. I, I, there's one thing to survive. It's another thing to thrive. If you look at this man, one, you wouldn't have guessed he ever had stage four cancer. Two, he's not surviving, folks. He's not just sitting there going, oh, I'm getting through it. I'm, I'm, he's thriving. And I, I think that if you and I can take that message to heart and say, how do I not just survive the divorce or survive the financial crisis or survive the setback? How do I thrive in that? This is going to be a guy that can give you a vision, give you a, a path, give you some direction and some clear guidance on how to do it. And he's doing it live, virtually. He's doing it in a book. He's doing whatever. Guys, let's figure out a way to get this message out more and more. So Chuck, I just want to tell you, thank you for being on. And uh, thank you for what you're doing in the world and more than what you're doing, who you're being. Hey, and, and, th and hey, Bob, you know, I mean, our friendship, I love, I love what's happened here. This mm. is the example of how God has plans for us and puts people on our path. I know for sure God puts you in my path. Mm. Uh, our friendship has, has, has blossomed. And, and, and I just want to thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. And, and a shout out to Robin because she's the one that introduced us. 
Robin right. Milanakis. If you don't know her, she's an amazing person too. So connect with uh, Robin Milanakis as well. Uh, but yes, thank you. And uh, I appreciate you, brother. And when you get out here, uh, let's, let's spend some time together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to it. All right, brother. Take care. Take care of yourself. All right. Thank you for listening to Your Next Level Now with your host, Bob Donnell. Please, if you'd like to stay in touch with us, please shoot us an email at admin at everythingnextlevel.com or you can call us at 949-542-6398. We'd love to have your feedback and hear about potential guests that you might want to hear from. So until then, enjoy your next level.